Are you wearing a D SZ hat there? Yes, I am. Yeah, I was oh. going to say that. <laughs> yeah, we'll start with that. So look at my cap here. Will you explain this cap, Yvette, and the significance of it? And uh, there's the S. No, no, the SZ is right here. There we go. And then, and then you've got this. You got the camo back here behind this leather flag. What? What's the significance behind this cap? Because I love it. I wear it a lot. So the camo is uh, Dan's. They were Dan's uh, pants that uh, a couple of his buddies decided to, they found someone who does that particular design. And what he does is he cuts up the, 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 the camo, the pant leg, he cut it up into a bunch of uh, squares and, or rectangles, I guess, and uh, put them on the caps and are, they're selling them. And the money that they're making, they're putting into the foundation that I created for Danny. Um, but I thought it was a really cool idea um, that I was able to mail the pants. And they were like, do you have anything? And I'm like, I think I only have one pair of pants. But um, I think that, that it just, you know, I just had them tucked away. So it was really awesome to see the caps yeah. and to see the guys just, you know, everybody's so excited about it. Even the family, like his brother, Dakota, they're, they're so excited. Oh, yeah, it's cousin. cool. I've had some people ask me about it. You know, Johnny gave this one to me at the wedding. So I've only had it, you know, since early December. But I have I've had a, two people ask me. And so I said, like, Johnny, where do I get these? And he said, You need to be in touch with Bob Sears and, and someone else, you know, the guys from the wedding. And so I emailed Bob and he said, Well, she only had one pair of pants. There's only a certain number of them. And he said the, the CCA bought a bunch. Yeah. So I need to get with, um, I guess, Michael Monica or somebody and see if they what they're doing with them. But but I'll put a, a note in here because, yeah, if we're, and it's the senior airman, Daniel R. Sanchez or tell me the, the foundation. Yes. Senior airman, Danny Ray Sanchez Foundation. Danny Ray Sanchez. Yeah. So I'll put that in there. Yeah. So people, if I can if I can find out in time how to buy them. I'll put a link in and, and they initially cool. made them in black and the black ones don't have the SZ on the side. So when they went back to do these, this particular color, these beige and brown caps, they asked, I asked them, can they put the SZ on there somewhere? So that's, so those are even just a little more special than the black ones. Okay. So but, the black ones were first. Right. Right. But I do have his top and I'm wondering if they could do the same out of the top. Cause I think, these are a lot nicer than just me having it stored away. Absolutely. Um, That's yeah. Right. And I, I could touch more lives that way than them just being on display in my den, you know? That's right. Do you know how much they're being sold for? I have no idea. I just know that they handed me some and said, this is for you and the family and we're raising money for the rest. Okay. So I, okay. Yeah. 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 It's a very cool cap and I've been wearing it a lot since December the 2nd. They came out really nice. I I really like them. So yes, Zach Bridges is the other guy. That Zach and and Bob are the ones that. Okay, good, good. A little over a year ago, in November of twenty one, we were at a combat control foundation fundraiser. That was a that was a crazy event, and yes. there was this guy <laughs> there that seemed to be getting a lot of attention, and I know you yeah, and I are like who. Should we know who this person is? You remember that? <laughs> yes. I say this story all the time because everybody I know watches Yellowstone and I don't. I mean, yeah. 
that just goes to show we need to be more in touch. I know. And I was, uh, it was Cole Hauser, <laughs> you know, Rip, Rip from Yellowstone. And I had not seen an episode. I'd obviously, I'd heard of it, but he was there and dad gum, he raised some money that night. Yes, he did. <laughs> Do you remember like one of the shirts that he had worn? Seems like it, it raised 35 or $40,000. Thousands. Yes. Thousands, thousands of dollars. And that's when you and I were like, who is this person? <laughs> yeah, somebody said he's on a TV show, and so we we yeah. finally figured it out while we were there. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. So so Rip is a good dude, and he supports the Combat Control Foundation. And I know he was there again this year in Odessa. Were you there this year? No, I was I was not. But it would have been nice to have gone back. I could have got a picture with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> I heard some funny stories about this this past years of 2022. <laughs> it might have been a little more. A little maybe more. there's a reason why we were not there. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> Let's talk no. about your son, Danny. Uh, why why was he made for combat control? Why was that so good for him? Oh my gosh! Um, I always thought I had this crazy kid, this weird kid that nobody else ever had, you know, since he was little, everywhere I'd go, you know, I, I always had him at, at the same campus where I worked. And I, I would, at the end of the day, I would always hear, you know what Daniel did today, you know, <laughs> and he was always just doing crazy stuff, um, getting in trouble, just very impulsive. And uh, he always had this drive to just do go beyond. So you know, people were racing. He'd have to be the one in front if they were, you know, whatever it is that we're doing. He just had to always outdo or out, you know, um, just be that. He just had that extra energy and um, that spirit that just was nonstop. And I just think he was just I always thought he was this crazy kid. And I thought nobody else has crazy kids like this because I couldn't see him anywhere else. But um you know, once he grew up and I met a lot of the other combat controllers, I was like, oh, there's more crazy kids. They're just all spread out everywhere, you know, and they had to come together. So I think in just in, just his impulsivity and his ADHD, and I think he was just made to be more than just a regular, just something regular. He was just made to be more, you know, that was his nature. Did he get in trouble more than an average, you know, uh, kid would? Every day after school. <laughs> I heard it every single day. Danny was under the table. Danny was on top of the desk. Danny was here. Danny did this. Danny said that, you know. He was just super impulsive and wouldn't think. Um, he did have a fourth grade teacher that finally came to me one day. And he's like, do you know how smart this kid is? I think he's GT. And I'm like, I don't know what he is. <laughs> It is driving me crazy. But he was, yes, often getting in trouble, mostly for his impulsivity, you know, just doing things without thinking of the outcome. You know, it's taken, it took a long time for me to, you know, kind of just get that part of it. Um, I never wanted to medicate him, though. I mean, I, I've worked with students all my life, so I just tried to do as much as I could on my part so I wouldn't dampen that spirit because he had a really good spirit he was just a really good kid he was just always doing things without you know thinking of what the next you know the consequences or what the next step could be or would be 
When did he you decide know. on combat control? At what age? Oh, uh, he was 18. He had just graduated and he went with a friend of his to visit the Air Force um, recruit recruitment place. And um, matter of fact, I just talked to his recruiter at the last race. He actually made it out to the last race that I had for Dan and um, was in town because he had since moved out of town and he made it a point to come visit. And um, I remember him clearly. His name was Sergeant Gonzalez at the time. And um, he, um, Danny went with his friend um, and I told him, don't get any crazy ideas. He's like, no, no, I'm just going with so-and-so. And I'm like, okay. And he came back with some DVDs so I can watch. And he's like, mom, they say that I'd be pretty good at this. And I'm like, I told you not to get any ideas. Well, I didn't even realize he was already signing up and taking the ASVAB test and all of everything else they had to do. He was already and finally one day, Sergeant Gonzalez came to the house to talk to me about it and explained what CCT was. Actually, he was going for pararescue. Okay. Initially. Um, it wasn't until we went to his graduation in San Antonio that he told me what it was, where what route he was going. Are you saying he switched to combat control during basic or, or, or when? I think he knew all along, but he didn't tell me what it was until he went to the, I'm going to tell my mom the safest route because he knew I probably would have, you know, not that I wouldn't have let him go, but probably not with my blessing, you know, yeah. but the only reason I allowed him to, to try out for CCT was honestly, I didn't think he would make it. After what Sergeant Gonzalez explained to me and that he, you know, he wasn't committed just for trying, you know, and then I, I thought, oh, good. Well, he, then he, he won't make it, you know, he'll, he'll quit and everything will be cool and he can do something different. Was he already in pretty good physical shape? Danny was a runner, a jumper. He loved sports. <laughs> he was a... Uh, he just had this endurance, you know, um, what he was not was a swimmer. <laughs> he was not a swimmer. And, um, he, that was one of the jokes he would call me and he's like, mom, they're making so much fun of me, you know, cause I, he didn't, he knew how to swim or he thought he knew how to swim. But, um, that was the one thing that if it was going to take him out, it would have been the water. Okay. But other, other than that, he was like, he his, he was just like his dad. They just, you know, sports, always running, always just, he was just had this agility, you know, just jumping and he was doing parkour before parkour was <laughs> a thing. So what would he have done if he had a, not made combat control? Yeah, I know he would have had to still give his time to the Air Force, but either if he hadn't gone in the Air Force or haven't made combat, hadn't made combat control, what do you think he would have done? We had already been talking to my cousin. My cousin's a chief in the fire department and my dad was a firefighter. And so that was one of the things he already told me he did not want to go to college. He didn't want to study anymore. And so that was one of those, it was a, during a time when they were literally taking, you know, young men into the fire department without the, the college training that they have now because they were in such demand at the time. So that was one of the, was the next route we were, we were going.
I could not see him as a firefighter right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> he needed something with more action, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. September twenty, uh, September 16th, 2010. I want to talk about, get to that. But first, when is the last, when's the last time you talked to him? Phone, I guess via phone or Skype or what was the method that you talked to him? Oh, this is way before then. Um, well, his last visit, uh, right before he was getting ready to deploy, um, I actually asked my family if they would pitch in and um, help me bring him out uh, back to El Paso so we could see him before he deployed. And it was something that I was, I just had this feeling, you know, that I needed to to see him before he deployed. So my dad and my sister and myself, we bought him a ticket and he came home. But that week that he was here, um, it, you know, just spent with the family. The last day, um, I mean, before I took him to the airport, I remember asking my family if, if I could take him by myself, because normally it's everybody goes, everybody's following, all his cousins want to be with him. And so they were, a, they allowed me that. And that, that was a big deal. Now that I look back, because I, I had an opportunity to, tell him, you know, before you leave, um, let me hug, let me hug you, but don't let go until I let go. And um, he just kind of giggled. He's like, okay, mom, whatever. But um, I was able to hug him in the airport for the longest time until I was ready to let go. And um, that doesn't mean a big deal to people. But when I look back now, I was able to, that was my goodbye um, to him. But um, after that, the phone calls, um, I actually missed his last phone call to me. It was a, it was a, it was a Sunday evening, I believe. Um, we were having a, a Bible study here at, at home and the phone started ringing. And, you know, back then there was no, it wasn't cell phones. It was um, satellite phones. And uh, he was calling the house, the landline. So I I raced around the corner to try and grab the phone and I missed the call. I knew it said Hawaii, you know, from Hawaii satellite phone, blah, blah, blah. And I, I knew I missed it and it just broke my heart. I was like, Oh my God, please call back, please call back. And, and he didn't. And, um, you know, I was just so I could kick myself. Um, I was so upset that I missed the phone call. And about an hour later, my sister called and she's like, Danny called. He sounded really tired, but, the kids got to say hi to him and oh it just broke my heart that i missed it and before that i called him it was right before his last mission and i want to say it was about august the like the 20th around that time or maybe right after right it was probably about august 31st uh maybe a couple of weeks before he passed I actually called him because it was his birthday and I sent him this box filled with letters that kids from the campus where I work, they all wrote letters and wished him happy birthday and sent birthday cards. And I sent him a big box of just all kinds of stuff, you know, all his favorite snacks and t-shirts and, and all kinds of stuff to him. And so we talked very briefly about him receiving it, you know, told me that he read some of the letters, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it was very brief. It was probably about two weeks before he, he was killed. What province was he in? It was in Aruzgan province, but what was the name? Ter uh, 
Oh, Tearing so Cow. There you go. Tearing really? Cow. Really? Oh, and he was in A Ruse Gone too. Okay. Right. I should have looked up on one of his, because uh, he's got a Bronze Star, right? Bronze Star with Valor. Yes. I should have looked yeah. that up before uh, I talked with you. Okay. So when did he get there, get into country? Uh, I want to say July. I can't remember the exact date. It was the very beginnings of July. Okay. Was he supposed to go there or was he supposed to go somewhere else? Okay. So he was actually supposed to go twice before. Um, first time he got sick, he got really sick, um, like sore throat sick. And then something happened and he couldn't make it out. Second time he cut his fingers. So I want to say that Johnny took his place because he cut his hand and uh, needed stitches and had to wait for that to heal. So this yeah. was his third, you know, the third charm, you know. Okay. I remember yeah. hearing something about the, about the hand now. Yeah. And this was his very first deployment. So we got in the country about July of 2010. Mm -hmm. So September 16th, that, that was a Thursday. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thursday so will you, will you tell us now, Yvette, how you found out about his death? Well, the reason I told you that story about the airport, um, because I always said, I felt really horrible about not feeling his death. Um, people always say, oh, I felt something wrong. That day was a day like no other. I was at work. My son was there at work with me. Um, I worked at a campus um, where I had my younger son. And um, it was just a normal, regular day. You know, I didn't feel anything different. Didn't. But that day was a very stormy day. It was really raining hard that day. And so my younger son, Dakota, got in trouble for not completing an assignment. So I got on his case and said, you better get to the computer lab and you better finish. And as soon as this rain lets up, we're headed home. So I want to say it was about 4.30, five, almost 5 o'clock when we decided to leave campus. And we were driving home. The rain had just stopped a little bit. But on our way home, um, looking over to, and I had, you know, I was getting on poor Dakota. I think I even hit him on the leg because he was talking back to me. And and then I started explaining to him, look at the, look at the sky. Do you see the double rainbow? There was a big double rainbow in the sky. And I kind of paused, kind of pulled over a little bit and I snapped a photo of it. I'm like, look at how beautiful that is. I've never seen it complete clear from one end to the next, you know, and it just was this big, beautiful, bright, really bright double rainbow and and I took a picture of it and and uh so I started to explain to Dakota the significance of the rainbow and what it meant and what God's promises were that after the storm he wasn't going to you know it was his promise to to you know take care of the land and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so I, I kind of go into that and we got home and I told Dakota get to work in and my mom had just made dinner and I sat down in an area where I could see the front um, out towards the driveway. And I saw two cars pass kind of close by and I kind of stayed wondering like, what was that? And then I saw a lot of movement through the window. Of, I couldn't make it out, but I saw that there was a lot of people and I thought, I wonder what's going on outside. And um, just then um, they rang the doorbell and my dog started 
going crazy. So I had to go, I was like, I'm going to go put her outside. And it, you know, it stopped raining anyway. So I put her outside and as I'm shutting the back door, walking towards the front room, I hear Dakota shout out. Um, he was really small. So he had to run to my mom's room to look through the window. And I could just hear him say, mom, there's a lot of soldiers at the door. And that basically just stopped me mid mid living room. I just stopped. And I was like, you know, my heart just sank and my mom opens the door and I could hear at the time, I didn't know who it was, but I could hear them ask, are you Yvette Duchesne? And I, and I could hear my mom say, no, I'm her mother. But as she's saying this, I see them all with the red berets and I just knew I, I, you know, my feet were, I was paralyzed. I couldn't move in my mind. They, they pushed themselves through the door. I could see this, you know, when I look back at it, I know that that's not what happened, but that's how I saw them coming in to the door, you know, through, you know, kind of moving people out of the way. And um, there were, let me see, I think there were five, five of them, maybe six um, that made their way into the living room and asked me, are you Yvette Duchesne? And, uh, I didn't even, I don't even remember answering. Yeah. I, I remember them telling me, you know, your son was, your son was mortally wounded in, in, in Afghanistan. And I, you know, I, my mom says that I just screamed, no, but I don't remember screaming. I just remember seeing just black boots so I was on the floor and I remember them having to help me sit on the couch. But that's, I mean, just remember those black shiny boots, you know, their, their dress boots. They couldn't tell me anything else until my sister arrived. Danny's specific instructions were not to tell me anything as, you know, if I was alone, I needed my, his aunt needed to be there with me. So they couldn't give me any specifics until my sister got to the house and she didn't have a clue y'all were just waiting for her to come home okay she doesn't live here so what happened was my mom had to call my other sisters and family and let them know what happened i don't recall anybody i i didn't call anyone i just remember sitting down and i had my hands in my my head in my hands right and every time i look up there were more people there so my neighbors saw what was happening. They were there. All my neighbors just started just showing up at the house. I, I didn't even call them. They were just, they knew my neighbor, my neighbor across the street just knew. And so they were there and then her family started showing up. And every time I'd look up, there would be more people in my house, just filled, filled. My house was filled with people that day. How long do you think that the, you know, the combat controllers stayed, the ones in uniform? They stayed there till they came to my house probably about 5.30, 5.45 in the evening. And they didn't leave my house till almost midnight. Oh, all of them? Um, two of them stayed till about midnight. Okay. The rest left. Um, I want to say they left probably about three, four hours in. Because we had to wait for my sister... My sister couldn't drive after my mom told her what happened. She she was on the floor crying and she said she couldn't even put her shoes on. So her husband is a high school coach and they had just 
they had just, they were barely going to get started with their game. So she had to call him and he had to race back to the house to pick her up and bring her to me. So it took a while before she got back. Yeah. And then they could give me the specifics. Well, what did they tell you? Initially, just that he was shot. But once she got here, they were a little more specific um, that he was shot in the head. He was doing uh, one of the voting. They were providing security for voting, uh, voting site or something to that. I can't remember specifics, but something to that, that as soon as they landed, um, they, he was shot by an Afghan insurgent. But that was the majority of, of what they told me. Okay. Do you remember any of the questions that you or other family asked them? Just what happened. My sister, Monique, when she finally got here, she rushed in and she yelled basically at, at them. And she was like, you were supposed to take care of him. Why didn't you take care of him? What, you know, what's wrong with you? I had to calm my sister down because she was, I think, more agitated and you know, upset than I was at the time or just reacted reacting differently than I had but we had to calm her down because she was really she was really upset about the whole thing I've only heard this story once and I cannot remember now if it was from you uh, like in October of 2010 or if this was from someone else but the guy who shot Danny did they did they tell you then what happened to him or did you find out later I found out much later. Um, see, Danny was attached to a group of Army Green Beret, right? They didn't get to come visit me till April when they finally got back. Wow. Back home. So they, the second they got back home, they literally um, got in a van and drove 23 hours to come pay their respects to me and to Danny at Fort Bliss, um, the cemetery. So, when they finally came in, I was able to ask one of them, can you tell me what happened? You know, I want to know. Um, I think he he held back a bit and wasn't very specific, but he gave me more details and kind of told me how the helicopters were separated and his landed more in a valley and theirs landed further away. He said that the guy who shot Danny was in the helicopter with them. Uh, they were giving them a, I guess, giving new people a ride or I don't know, something to that effect. But that they got him. They um, they took care of the guy that, that shot Danny. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm sure there's so much more that initially I wanted to know everything. And when I started hearing some of it, I decided I don't want to know everything. I just kind of want to let some things just be. A mystery to me, yeah. Danny, they had landed and he had gotten out of the helicopter. They were they got out. He they were basically unloading the the helicopter. What do you call those big? Um, was it a Chinook or a, a Huey or a, it was probably Apache AH sixty four. I have no idea. I think it was a Chinook. They were unloading, is what I heard, and that. Uh, they were basically because they were, I don't even know if he even 
I guess since they weren't prepared, you know, they, they got them at a very vulnerable state where they just yeah. started unloading these heavy boxes and things, equipment and stuff. And the other chopper was further away. So there could be a lot of things um, that I could theorize, I guess, or just come up with my own ideas, you know, as to why they were separated or why the helicopters were not together or why it took the others longer to get there. But I would rather not. I would rather just let it be. Okay. <laughs> that mystery to me you know yeah because i could drive, i could drive myself crazy and try to investigate and let that eat me you know up inside but well and if i i mean i've got a few questions but if, if you don't want to talk about it just tell me okay so okay why so first of all this guy danny knew him i guess had he already been working with him for a few days a few weeks do you know I just know they were new. So to me, that could mean at that last minute, they were like, can these okay. guys come, come with you type of thing. Okay. And why did he choose Danny? Was was it because he wanted to kill other Americans, but he, they, he was killed quickly? Or was Danny the only, he wouldn't have been the only American there with him. No, there was no, there was the team was together. It was the, the team was together. So there were two choppers though. So I know there was his, you know, they were separated of course, but there were more Americans, the, the Green Berets that were with them. Um, one of them did get hit on the shoulder. Another did get hit in his inner thigh and they had to take him to, they, they did medevac him to Germany. But I think Danny was the one with the, you know, with, with the radio and, and probably seemed like the person to shoot. Um, but there were bullets flying. Um, he wasn't the only one hit, but he was the only one that was fatally wounded. Okay. Um, he was shot in the head. He was shot in the foot. He was shot in other places. I don't recall. Um, but I do know that it wasn't the only, he wasn't just shot once. Okay. Man just wonder how long I think about things like how long had that insurgent been planning this, mm -hmm. um, you know, exactly. was this all he'd, and why, and why let them on at that last minute? Why, why didn't they get checked out, you know, further? Mm -hmm. You know, I remember um, Bobby Benello showing me some pictures from his first deployment he had a lot of pictures of some of Afghans, some military age males, I guess, guys that he had, he was living with some locals for some reason at that, on that deployment. And he was just saying, look at these guys. How, how could we trust him? He, he didn't trust them and nothing happened. You know, you, you've got these guys that do that fight by your side and, and plenty of them are great loyal men, I think. And so, I don't know, maybe Danny, he was just so used to, he had already been fighting with some other ANAs or something. And so may, I wonder if it, he could have easily thought, okay, hey, here's another group and no big deal. Or or, or if someone tells you, hey, we're going to give these guys a ride, you're going to do it under the assumption that they've already been checked out. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, who would do that? You he know? had, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine him having any reason what to, to worry. It's just a... So bizarre because I believe that was the first situation, Yvette, that I'd heard of in the war personally, just because I 
didn't keep up with a whole lot of the, the is that a green on blue is that what they call that i get my colors mixed up but you yeah. know basically friendly friendly on friendly um kill and mm-hmm. yeah i always heard that the guy was was killed quickly he was taken care of mm-hmm. right up right up right after yeah yeah so um i guess they were all caught off guard you know sure. and so it was the fight was on as soon as that happened but you know danny was one of the first hit and the guy that also got shot with danny his name is drew andrew mick is his name and he um recently reached out to me and he he's the one who shares more of the story but um there's a lot of times where i he wants to share and so i allow him that but there's times where i'm like oh, i don't think i want to hear anymore um because I feel like it puts me in a, I don't know, just in different, he, it, it puts me more like if I'm actually there watching it and that's hard, you know? So sometimes I don't know what's worse, imagining it or really hearing what happened. Yeah, I know. It's your little boy. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's tough. Yeah. You, who all was there? Who, who notified you? And how many of them knew Danny? Um, so Don Stevens, uh, Matt Silos, they knew Danny. Um, Don knew Danny more, I think, than Matt did. They were, Matt was on blue team. I mean, on uh, silver team, I believe. Danny was on blue team with Don Stevens. Um, at the time it was Colonel, no, Major Larkin. He was major at the time. So it was Larkin that came in. Um, someone named Lawless, his last name Lawless. And then there was a chaplain. Okay. I don't know if Lawless knew Danny or if they knew of him, but I know for sure Don Stevens knew who he was. Yeah. Well, at the time, did having people there who knew him, was that important to you? Yeah, it was um, after that initial evening, um, Don and Matt traveled with me to Dover, Delaware to receive Danny's body. Um, they took us that night. It, it was probably about the next morning, like early, early. They came and picked us up and we flew out to receive Danny's body. But I was able to talk with Don and it was it was good to hear the stories. Um, when when he started talking to me, I remember stories that Danny would tell me and he would call. They called Don Stevens um, Silverback because he looked he was just huge, just massive and huge. And um, I remember stories Danny would tell me about Silverback, right? And he would say, mom, he's massive. And I always mess with him. I'm going to take him. And, and that was Dan's, um, Daniel's, just his personality, his character. And he would mess with these guys and, and say things like, oh, I could take you. I could take you, you know. And he would mess with them. And, and um, Danny was little. He was skinny. And he was probably like 5'10", you know, very thin. And so hearing the stories, it made me feel like they, they, they knew who, who he was, you know, and, you know, Matt, Matt was able to tell me a few stories as well, but I think Don is the one who knew him the most and was able to share um, some of the things that he's like, I, I had to make him dig a hole because, you know, because they were mouthing off and, and then he had, 
after the hole was dug, he's like, now, now what do we do? He's like, fill it back up, you know? <laughs> so just things like that. I, I was, you know, I got to hear some funny stories about him getting in trouble again, you know, and again and again, as usual, yeah. Danny style, you know? You know, I just, I know for sure it was Don that, that shared a lot more of the stories. So from the notification, you get up early the next morning and go to Dover. I'm sure that wasn't a direct flight. Did you fly commercial? Yes. Okay. So that's a, that's a draining flying itself is draining. Then you've got the, 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 the ceremony there as awful as that is. Uh, what were those next few weeks like for you? <laughs> I honestly don't remember. I think the whole year, is a blur. Um, I was moving and breathing, but not really living, I guess. Um, my support system, um, my family, my neighbors, I have very good neighbors. I call them family. They're, they've always been um, here for me. They just did everything for me. I, you know, every time I'd come out into the living room, my house was filled with people and they didn't leave me alone. Um, they, they were just here. They were just, you know, just people showing up that I hadn't seen and people I didn't even know, um, friends that I hadn't talked to just coming to my house bringing food, bringing crazy things, like paper products and just all kinds of stuff, you know, just filling my house with plants and flowers and, you know, it, it was that I remember specifics. I don't really, I can't recall like the whole first year of my, from the moment uh, that they talked to me, it was just been a blur, you know? Yeah. But I went to see you and I'm kid. I don't remember that, you know, but. Well, cause you had, you had a funeral to plan. You had a memorial service at Hulbert, I guess, is that yep. where it was? Mm -hmm. I know that we met you at the reunion in October of 2010 down, you know, down in Florida. So you were back for that. Um, you probably had other things then, probably in El Paso. Then we had another one in North Carolina. Do you remember that one? In July. Yeah. It was July when Johnny got injured. We were in North Carolina for that. Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. There so was, wait a minute. I, so we were it, there in July. Why? Yeah. When Johnny was injured. Mm -hmm. Is that when you were there in North? Yes. Oh, they did a service for Matt. I mean, for Mark and Danny at the same time in North Carolina. Gosh. Yeah. That's when we found out about Johnny. Okay. So there were a lot. Of, I remember a lot of events going on um, with the air force. And then, you know, there are other things I know in our hometown, in our area. So you were probably pretty busy with several things going on. Mm -hmm. How did you make it? I mean, I know you got your family, your support system. I guess you just coasted through somehow just uh, unseen beings. Is that, is that kind of what it was too? Yeah, I am. Um... I've always leaned on my faith for everything, you know, um, my divorce and the death of Danny's dad. And 
I've just always leaned on my faith in God. And so I know that I look back now, I know that it was God's strength in me, not me by myself. There's no way, there's no way we could do it, especially alone without family. So, you know, they place our family, their angels, you know, here placed around us, strategically placed. They're there when we need them, you know, at that moment. And, and then on the times we don't even think we need them, they're there. You yeah. know, you know, and I was in Florida when we got word about Mark and that's, we were there for a memorial for Danny in yeah. Florida. That was a, a bad couple weeks for sure. It was horrible. It was horrible because I was there when they got, I was there when they were getting the, their phone calls about Mark. We were having a birthday dinner for Danny's girlfriend at the time. It was her birthday. And they were getting the phone calls about Mark. And I knew just by their faces when they got the phone calls, the guys or the, you know, the text message, I guess, that they needed to meet. I could see it in their faces. And they were still trying to be nice and, you know, have dinner with us. And I just knew, I just knew that it was not good. Yeah. Dakota was, what, 10 years old? He was 10 years old. How do you think that? And by the way, I was, when I told, you know, my wife, Rosalind, and I saw Dakota and his wife too, you know, at the wedding and, and you, and, and she's like, it still sounds weird to hear Dakota and his wife because last time she saw him, he was 10. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Now he's married. He's all grown up. But how did he, how did he deal with Danny's death there the first, you know, at least the first little while? Do you know? So, Initially, I didn't realize this, but he he just not that recent, but told me he's like, Mom, I thought Danny was coming to surprise us when he first said there's soldiers at the door. He that's what he thought. He thought it was his brother coming home to surprise him. Um, you know, in the middle of the whole thing, I remember part, you know, I tell you, I was I was just beside myself, but in the middle of it all, I remember looking up and going, where is he, you know, and turning and seeing him standing against the wall, watching everything play out. And I just remember just tears pouring down his cheeks. And I was like, oh, my God, come here, you know, come sit with mom. And, and you know, him coming and sitting with me and, and not being able to absorb it all. But when we went to Odessa, um, Thad, I don't know if you recall, you asked him. And I know he had had a couple of drinks in him at the time, but do you recall you asked him as a brother, tell me what you, what you felt, you know, and he started talking and I thought, you know, that's the first time I had heard that much come out of him. You know, him just saying that he, he remembers a lot of what we say about him. Cause when Daniel left, Dakota was six years old when Daniel left to the service. So at that point to 10 years old, we saw him just, you know, a handful of visits. And I don't remember a lot of things when I was six, you know, so it's yeah. really hard. And so him talking to you about it and talking to you about that day and talking to you about the moments since it was a real eye opener for me. And I, and I kind of, I'm glad that you asked him and I'm glad that he was able to share with you because he's never really shared that much with me. 
but I see him as he tells me, mom, I remember the stories because you all talk about the stories often. He remembers a few things that Daniel used to do to him. One of them was uh, duct tape him on the, on the on the door outside the house on my uh, wrought iron door. He duct taped Dakota. <laughs> um, <laughs> or he would hang him by his underwear on the doorknobs, you know, and, <laughs> and give him a, a permanent wedgie, you know, and um, so he remembers those things and, you know, funny things like that. But I think, you know, bottom line, he was the initial reaction. I, I think I never really dove deeper. And when he spoke with you at, in Odessa that time, he, he really said a lot more than I'd ever heard him say about that moment, you know, about him thinking it was Annie trying to surprise us, you know, mm. and just being disappointed, you know, the outcome. Yeah, I remember us talking and I don't remember what what I said, but I just remember. I feel like I probably asked a lot of questions and I, I could tell he was thinking but I also kind of thought, you know what, I could have made I could have made him and you uncomfortable. So I could have gone too far, but I was really curious. And so that's why I was whatever, whatever I was saying. But, yeah, I remember him kind of having like, you know what? Oh, yeah, I haven't talked about that before. I haven't thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a good time amongst. There was a lot of noise, a lot of music, but I, I, I enjoyed it anyway, sitting there with y'all. Yeah, I did too. I think that that was our reason for going because you and I didn't get to speak. That's right. Yeah. But that was, I think all in all, Mike LaMonica was like, I am so sorry. I said, no, don't be sorry. This was what we needed to do. It wasn't for us to come and talk. It was for us to, or for Dakota to talk and, you know, just to us to listen. It was wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a gold star mother, Yvette, what do you say to others, you know, that are grieving for, you know, whether it's death or some other type of grief, how, how do you, how do you help others? I, um, I like to share my, I call it my testimony with them because I literally was, um, in a point at a point where I was, you know, when Daniel left, I was kind of, I guess, feeling sorry for myself trying to do that empty nesting by myself, you know, and, and be a single mom and take care of Dakota and worry about Daniel, you know, on my own. And I, I think I was feeling sorry for myself. And um, when everything happened, um, I kind of use it as my testimony. And I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm just a normal everyday single parent trying to make ends meet, you know, and trying to make things work. And, um, you know, God has just given me, um, he says, I, I am your strength when you're weak, you know, and I share that as my testimony to tell others, you know, first of all, not to even ask, don't ask the whys because it won't be answered and we'll yeah. just go, we'll just go crazy. You know, we won't get those answers till we, till we visit, um, you know, heaven, but until then, you know, we, we shouldn't ask the whys. We should just understand that those special moments need to be cherished and, talked about and our loved ones need to keep um being talked about you know and and shared with others so that their memories so that their lives continue to you know those 
those memories just live. Their lives are not forgotten. And so I share that. I, I started doing a grief group here at home. I do a lot of Bible studies out of my home, but I started doing a grief group through my church um, after Danny passed. And I've met a lot of wonderful parents that have lost their children and I've made really good friends. And to this day, they're my really good friends, you know, and we share that. Um, and it's, it, it's good. It's a good, it makes, it helps us to value people yeah. in a different, you know, where we didn't, you don't, we don't really see the value of people, you know, until you lose someone really close and it hits, you know, and you just appreciate the people more, the moments more, everything like that. So I, I use that a lot as, as a, I call it my testimony and I share that with others. Yeah. What was the effect on, on you and on Danny? You know, you said his dad died when Danny, I think, was five and his dad was mm -hmm. 23. Is that right? Yes. So yes. then Danny was 23 and he was killed. And what, what was the effect on, on your Danny when his dad died? You know, Dan was five years old. I remember um, telling him, because at the time, Daniel's dad lived with his mom. And it was, um, we were, you know, I was 18 when I had Daniel. So we were very young. We weren't married, but we were still together on and off, you know. And at the time, I moved back home because I was going to college. And it was really a struggle for me getting my son back and forth, you know, trying to go to college, trying to. And so I moved back to my mom's house where they could watch him for me while I went to school. And so that was one of those moments. So we weren't physically in the same house, um, but we were still together. So when I got the, the, the news, his grandparents were literally at my house picking up Daniel. And for some reason that day I said, no, just, just leave Daniel here. He's fine. He's comfortable. He's playing. And I'll take him to you. You know, I'll come visit on the weekend. And so they left. And my mom was very upset. She's like, those are the grandparents. You know, they should just get to take him whenever. And I said, no, mom, something. I just, no, he's fine. And about an hour later, I get the phone call that they saw the crash on the way home and stopped. And they knew that one of their sons was killed. They didn't know who. They just saw the sheet on the floor because they were both ejected. Oh, their two sons were in there together? They were, two, they were together in the accident, but one of them was transported already to the hospital. Okay. And Daniel, Daniel's dad, Ray uh, Raymond, was the one who was laying on the floor. And so they, they didn't know who it was. They just knew it was one of their sons. And so I think to myself, Daniel would have seen his dad that way. And so I'm kind of glad that I had made that choice um but it took me a couple of days to tell him I didn't tell him right away I, I was trying to figure out how to tell him and I finally he was in kindergarten so I decided I had to tell him it was right after the new year it was it was it was in January when his dad was his dad was actually killed on January 16th the 16th of, Jan of January in 1993 I believe and um, Daniel was also killed on the 16th. Did I ever share those numbers with you? You didn't share the 16th. No, I don't remember that. No. 
Daniel was killed on the 16th and his dad was killed on January 16th. And their birthdays are uh, Danny's is August 30th and his dad is June 30th. Oh. And they were both 23 years old when they died. Um, but Daniel was little. He says he remembers things like at the time, like I remember my dad would take me for ice cream and I remember my dad playing with me and I remember my dad, you know, and playing baseball with me and basketball with me. So he remembered some of those but he was five. It was really hard. I had to keep Ray's memory alive for Danny, you know, as we, as he, we, we grew up. So Daniel and I were very close. It was just he and I for all these years before I had Dakota and before I, you know, got remarried. Um, so it was just da Daniel and I, so we were very, you know, we were like two peas in a pod. <laughs> we were very close. Yeah. What do you want people to know about Danny? Oh my gosh. <laughs> just, you just fell in love with the guy. The second you met him, you were just friends. You knew he was just a genuine, very kind hearted. Um, he was crazy. He was crazy. He loved, he was just a crazy kid. But to know him was to love him. You know, he just, he was just had the kindest heart. And, um, he loved kids. He just, every time he'd come, you know, all the kids would hang all over Danny, you know, he'd be carrying one on one hand and carrying another kid over here. He just, all the kids loved Danny and he had so many friends. I've met so many people since and be like, I only met him once or twice, but he was just the coolest guy, you know, and his smile, he was always laughing. Everything was just positivity, you know, and just always fun. He just wanted to, he did not like confrontation, you know, as far as like people fighting or arguing. He just wanted everybody to get along and have a good time. He was just a cool kid. So you you would have just, he was automatically your friend. And he did have that big, awesome smile. Yeah. <laughs> that everybody talks about. Yes. It's true. And and he was always smiling. You know, I would hear it from teachers and even myself. Like, I'd be like, what are you laughing at? You're getting in trouble. And he would be like, Oh, okay. You know, he was just always smiling, you know, always. What do you say? You have a saying about. Uh, smile, smile forever. Smile forever. Yeah, that's it. That is what is on his tombstone. Smile forever. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was always smiling. We were recently at Johnny Yellick's wedding. Weddings are kind of hard for me now, especially they were because it's like, well, these are. Of course, Johnny's Johnny's getting up in age himself too now. But you know, uh, <laughs> when yeah. I used to go to weddings after Mark's death, like, hey, these are young guys, and Mark should be here, or Mark should be getting married. And so, weddings are kind of kind of hard for me now. But is do you think that way now? You you know, Danny had a serious girlfriend, or was he engaged? Can't remember. He was not engaged. They were. He, she lived with him. They lived together, and he had told me that. After this deployment, if everything went well and, you know, he came back home, everything was good. He would he was going to propose, but yeah. he they, he wasn't engaged yet. Uh, yeah, it's hard to see everybody's life moving on. And you think to or all the kids, all, all the kids, they, you know, I, it's hard to keep track of everybody's kids. There's so many kids, but yeah. all of his buddies, you know, they send me pictures and it, it's. I see them. I'm very proud of them. And I, it kind of gives me hope. Like, you know, Daniel would have been doing this right now. Daniel would have been, 
you know, married with children or Dan, you would have been getting near retirement soon. You know, that those type of things where I know what you're saying, though, you look at it and you're like all those missing, you know, those memories that we're not going to have. So, yeah, I, I that is tough. It is. But it's also it's also good to see all of them, you know, to be able to have a reason for them to gather. And I like to see the guys because it it reminds me of Danny so much, just their behaviors, the way they act. It just brings back a lot of good memories. Well, they seem to keep in touch with you, the, both the, the, the Air Force and the Army guys. Mm hmm. That's great. I'm glad. And it, you had an awesome picture at the wedding and that photo booth thing that we had. And you and all <laughs> you and all the guys there. It was a good one. Yeah, they're so they're so cute. Well, what about the foundation and what are you, what are you doing now since since his death and the, the counts are going to that foundation? What what's the what are your fundraisers and what is the foundation for? So I do um, a memorial, the 5K memorial race every year, and I do it on um, Labor Day weekend every year. Why Labor Day? It's it's an extra day off for a lot of people. It's, um, you know, gives it opportunity to come in town for those, you know, Danny's buddy, buddies that want to come in. Um, also, you know, it's the mid midpoint between his birthday and the time he was killed. So... I kind of chose that day. Um, it's around that time, time frame. And so what I did, what I decided to do, and I did it early on, is I um I just spoke to people and I said, I want to do something to honor memory, you know, and to keep his memory alive. And so this one lady, you know, knew a guy that does puts these races together, and she said, Why don't you try it? I'll talk to him and see what, you know, what what happens or what comes up. And ever since then, you know, he's he just plugs me in for the next Labor Day weekend. And he's even told me, he's like, you bet most memorial races don't last 13 years. You know, he's like, you're going on 13 years now. And he's like, so you should have more sponsors by now. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but um, but, you know, I initially thought, you know what, I'll do this one or two years, you know three years. And then I'm like, okay, after five, that's it. I'm done. And then I thought, okay, after 10 years, I'm done. And then the pandemic hit at that point. And I was like, okay, nothing, nothing more. And then he suggested a virtual race. And then after that, it was like, keep going, you know? And I'm like, I guess I can keep going till I can't anymore. But all the money that I raise right now goes to the high school where he graduated from in forms of scholarships. And so and that's every year, right? Montwood High School here in El Paso, Texas. Yeah, I, I've given away three to five scholarships every year, and they range from $500 to $3,000. It just depends on what monies, you know, I've raised. And um, I'm able to present it to the students during their, when they're practicing for their graduation. And I'm able to talk to the students and I like that because I'm able to share Danny's story. You know, Danny wasn't a straight A student. He was, you know, he was ADHD. So one, one class would be an A and then the next class would be like a D. And I'd be like, what's wrong with you? You know, can't you? Then the next six weeks, that D would be an A and the A would be a D. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so 
but he did love to run. And that was one of the things where, you know, I thought he didn't run because he, you know, he wouldn't wake up in the morning and go running, but he just had this knack for it, you know, and the guys will all tell you, Danny just ran and he would smoke cigarettes the night before, and then he'd be running the next day without fail, passing everybody on team, you know, and he just did it. He just had this energy in him. So I thought, why not? So that's what we start off with. We also have other fundraisers like um, food fundraisers here in El Paso, Mexican food. We do um, enchilada dinners, you know, and we raise a lot of money with that. Um, I have the veterans of foreign wars, the VFW ladies, they're willing to help. They just get everything ready. They all know what to do, their place, you know, and they just help me out. Um, I actually make jewelry and I, I call it gold star jewelry and I just sell it. And whatever monies I make, I just put back into the foundation so we can have enough for scholarships for the next year. How do you work? How do people find the jewelry? I don't, I'm afraid to even put it on because <laughs> I haven't been making it. So well, if you want me to, I'd be glad to. You just, you just, I tell will. Me. I will. I'll, I'll, uh, I think ever since I went back to work, I haven't made um, jewelry <laughs> in a while, but I do a lot of just like bracelets and necklaces or matching sets, you know, real basic, but I'll take them to like the Christmas fairs or, you know, um, whenever they have places where I could set up a table. And I'll, and I'll sell things like that when I'm ready. I'm going to get a bunch ready. I'm going to retire again soon and I'll yeah. start making more. <laughs> you know, have you ever thought about or has anybody approached you about a a knife, you know, an, an SC knife or anything like that or a gun? So my dad has a gun that says CCT on it, but it has Danny's. When do we do that? Oh my gosh, my my mind is blank, but it was in a glass case. It says CCT on it. I wanna I wanna say it has his SZ, his initials on there. And my dad has that. They gave it to me, but I, I gave it to my dad. But um no. And then I don't know if you were you did you do the memorial three gun or three gun memorial? Mm-hmm. Was Mark was Mark one of the yeah, I think 2019, I think, was Mark. But we didn't, We none of us could go up there for it. Okay, so Danny was one of the honorees this past um, October. And I went up to North Carolina with my sister, and they gave me an axe with his oh, name. Cool. It. It's cool. a sharp axe. Like, I was even like, how am I going to take this back home? <laughs> but they <laughs> mailed it to me, so it's beautiful. It's really nice. Oh, that's but, cool. Yeah, I have all kinds of... Would you send you know, me a picture of that just so I could... I'd just like to see it. Oh, my gosh. It's awesome. Yes, I would gladly. I love blades. I love knives and axes. Do and, you? This oh, thing yeah. is sharp. I should I should go get it right now so you can see it. You want to see can. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's right here. And it's super sharp, too. And so I don't know who made it. They told me who it was, and I can't remember... Well, those guys at Memorial 3-Gun are great. So it came with this stand. I don't know if you could see the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. And then it has his name. Can you see it? Yes. All right. And then then let me see the the handle. Can you go on down? (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, we're going to have an axe throwing contest soon. 
I was so scared. I'm like, I don't even know where to put this thing. Who can you? Who makes that? Is the name of the the blade maker on there on the back of the up That's top? That's what I was. No, it's what I was wondering. It's not. It just says Memorial Three Gun on here, but it a guy was. They even told us his name, but I. It just says Remember, Honor, Memorialize. Okay. No, I'm gonna have to ask. I'll ask Tara. Tara, who made the axe? If you want that information, I can get it for you. But oh, I'd love yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. It's really cool, and I was like, uh, "How am I gonna carry that back?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but what else, have, Yvette? I do um, just whatever I can do to raise money. Um, I put, I had a web page for him that since has been taken off, but um, I have I have a Facebook page. That oh, so you don't use the website anymore? I'm trying to get it back on again. Um, the lady that helped me last year, two years ago, um, I handed it over to her because I had um, I had someone tell me, oh, she's awesome with marketing and she can make the web page look really nice. So I gave her all the information. And now that I try to go in, I can't, I don't have a password. She doesn't remember a password. So it's been, it's been, um, it's been challenging. I'm trying to get back, get that information back on there again. I'm looking as we speak. Is it on there or does it still say? What's the URL? Because it's not pulling up. I have it under, so it's. Um, Was it like Daniel Ray Sanchez? Our our hero danny ray.com it. it's a danny dot com. ray or daniel ray danny ray our hero danny ray altogether.com yeah yeah it's not working now so i need to see the thing is that i'm not tech savvy i got you yeah she's like i could really do your web page um i know somebody can help you and i'm like sure so now I go back and I'm like, uh, I don't know if I need to pay for it. How do I, you know, pay to keep it going? They call me. They're like, well, what's the password? I give them the password. They're like, that's not the password we have. So it's it's a mess right now. I'm trying to still get back into that. And then okay. I talked to the lady and, and the lady that was helping me is like, I don't know what I did with all that information. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, maybe yeah. somebody listening. Or maybe somebody with CCA or CCF has a, you know, knows someone who could help you take care of this. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have somebody, but I mean, I, I am not an IT guy, Yvette, but I, I can do the basics for the website. So nobody, I guess they did build it for us and I just maintain it now. So right. actually I could, actually I could put you in touch with someone if you need it. You just tell me with the people that don't do yeah. ours, they're great. I need to find out how to get control of it again. And then they can, I can, I'm going to be like, you just maintain it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not worry about somebody else doing it. Cause then you run into this situation. That's right. So basically I'm kind of stuck with that right now, but, and that's cause one of the guys called me and he's like, what happened to the webpage? And I'm like, I didn't know. So I had to go back and check. <laughs> but um, so that's been a, a situation that I'll, I'll get to it eventually but um, our well, fundraisers are pretty much all we're doing right now okay and the information for the 2023 race is not out yet 
Is it? No. As a matter of fact, we start putting it out uh, right now. I'm working on the getting the applications and getting all of that in before that, you know, I, I usually start the beginning of, of each year uh, putting out the information for the applications. The scholarships. The students, right. For the okay. students to, to apply this year, what I'm, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to kind of expand it a little and try and reach more people. So what I'm going to do this year is get in, in touch with El Paso's really big. Um, get in touch with at least the district that this campus belongs to and put it out there that the biggest team, um, whatever team it is, you know, the largest team from that campus would get an additional $500 for their team. Um, just to try and put it out there further, you know, just get other people involved. And yeah. that way the scholarship's not just for the one campus, but cause I've, I've had people ask me, why is it just Mountwood high school? And I'm like, that's where he graduated from. But you know, I, I can try and expand it a little and just say, bring your biggest, the largest team will get $500, you know, and, and maybe do something a little different that way. They, they can use some of that money for their team Yeah, just to try and make it bigger, you know? You're doing great work with, you know, it's just you just about. So <laughs> it is. It up. is there anything else you want to say in closing? No, I mean, I appreciate this. I'm like, why would, why does that one talk to me? Like you talk to really cool people. <laughs> uh, I should have talked to you a long time ago. My, you know, Ross said, have you not interviewed her? I said, no, I don't know why I should have done it years ago. Oh, no, I just, you know, I, I know that there's been a lot of the sadly CCT memorials that we, we don't want to have to attend anymore, but something about Mark's, I guess it was just the timing, you know, the two weeks after Danny's death and, and kind of like the same group of guys, I guess, I don't know how to explain it, but something about Mark's death and Danny's death just really stands out, I guess a lot. And I always, you know, I always keep you all in prayer and as I do with all the other gold star families, but I don't know something about just Mark's, death right after dance just really it, it i don't know if it was just the time you know the timing mm -hmm. of it just made it that much more meaningful you know as 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 someone to just you know just your family itself you know just being there and i've met a lot of gold star families that are with the army because here at fort bliss um, that's more what they have here and yeah. they don't have what we have. And so I'm very blessed that Danny and Mark um, were a part of this group of um, this small group of heroes, because I think it means um, that we get, we get to memorialize them in a, in a better way. And you truly never forgotten because they're just, the guys are just so awesome the brotherhood that they've developed is just so wonderful. And I think that, I don't know, I just find something, uh, just a special place in my heart for you all. And, you know, your, your parents and, uh, you know, just the families. Well, thank you. Yeah. We, we are fortunate to be, to have such a close knit group and the support. Yeah. Shoot. I got a call from Michael Monica the day before Thanksgiving about my nephew, because my nephew had a serious, 
accident was I know, in the hospital. I saw that. So I guess hopefully we'll see each other again at some some event sometime soon, maybe. And but Danny is the reason Danny's death is what made war real to me, Yvette. And I've told you that. And that when Mark when we found out and Mark had put that on on Facebook, he just like R I P S Z is I I didn't so I didn't know his name and I know Mark had waited when he could put that out because I didn't find out till Saturday. Danny was killed on a Thursday and it shook me and I was distracted that whole day. And I've, I've messaged Mark and this was a Facebook message. What happened? Were you with him? Yada, yada. And he finally replied back. And But it, it hit me. It shook me then to find out that one of his teammates was killed. And, and I really realized, hey, this could this could happen to Mark, too. Anyway, it's 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 been an honor having you. Thanks for talking and talking about Danny and his death and his life and your life, a little bit of your life since I wanted to talk about your health, but um, I guess you're doing better from the lupus. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Well, um, I started a new infusion, um, a brand new FDA approved medication that is like one of the only approved uh, lupus meds that's come out in the past 10 years. And so I go once a month for a, for an infusion. And this is barely my second infusion. So I'm hopeful. I haven't gone to do my blood work yet, but I'm hopeful that this one's going to work. And that's basically where I'm at with that. You know, I, I feel okay. I feel fine. I'm able to you know, I've been in pain so long that that's my norm now. So any day I wake up, I'm like, I can get out of bed without walking funny. I guess I, those are good days. But I've been feeling good. I mean, I've been really good. And I, I know that these, I wanted to go back to work because I felt like that's what I needed to do. I needed to be busy. And um, I love being able to go to work. And so that has really helped me out a lot as well. I just got over a really bad bout of uh, bronchitis. And so I have a few more tests coming up. But other than that, I, I'm, feel, I'm feeling good. I'm doing, I'm doing well, as well, as good as can be expected. Yeah. But uh, lupus, isn't, it's a bad, it's nothing fun, you know. And I think a lot of it is stress-related. So anytime those stressors go up, you know, the really? flare-ups come. So I just got to keep my stress levels down. But mm. I've been doing well. I've been doing good. Well, tell Dakota to stop making you stress out. Not to not to stress me out. You know what? I don't even talk to the kid. He's like, he's he's still on his honeymoon. He just came back from his honeymoon. As a matter of fact, they him and his wife went to the Bahamas, um, and they just got back recently. So, I figured in a couple of years he'll start giving me trouble again. <laughs> <laughs> he's still he's still happily married right now. So we'll see how that All goes. Good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Man. But I've been I've been very blessed. I'm very blessed with my boys. I'm very blessed with uh, all my new sons. I tell people I lost one son, but I gained so many more. Oh yeah. And I'm blessed with people like you that we just keep their memories alive, however possible. And it and it makes for us to be able to to just live the that next day. You know, we just live day by day. But I appreciate your time appreciate that you wanted to even talk to me that makes me feel good yeah we got to get the word out there about danny too and they're yes. in the run and so i'll put that out there 